Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Oh my goodness. All right, so we're in this series going through the Gospel of John. We've got a lot that we're covering today because you can tell we're going from verse 19 to verse 28. And goodness, my mind is... All right, so let me tell you where we're at in this gospel. Uh, We finished the prologue last week. We finished verse 18, and we started with verse 19 today, as Jeff already read for us. And this means we're starting really in a section about Jesus' public ministry. But here's what's ironic. The story doesn't start off with Jesus. It starts off with a guy named John the Baptist. Right? So it's, it, Jesus isn't really even physically present in the story here. The story's focusing on Johnny B, which uh, this is what I'm going to short name him, right? So that's a nickname. It's not biblical. I'm just paraphrasing, but Johnny B. So what we're going to do, there's going to be times in this book where uh, jo- Jesus himself isn't physically present, but we know this whole gospel is about him, so we're going to focus on him as much as we can. But what we're also going to do is we're also going to take the time to look at how human beings related to Jesus. All right, so that's what we're going to be doing today. And I want to set today up in this way. All right. Um, And and I want to say something and see if it kind of tracks with you, see if it gains any uh, traction with you. And, 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 And let me say this. We each have this urge to know the answer to this question. Who am I? Do we not? Am I right about that? Does, does that make sense? Who am I? For some of us, uh, the, the, the urge to know that is, is about as subtle as, as the wind some days, just as a light little breeze. It doesn't really move us at all. doesn't really change or control much of our thought life. For others of us, this question is the driving question that determines almost everything about us because we don't know the answer. It can, it can often interrupt our days. It can help, it can cause us to interpret certain situations around us and circumstances. It can, it can jam us up when things happen in our lives. I mean, I mean, it's a huge question, and goodness, how do we even answer it? How do we answer this question? I'll tell you what the world says. Well, you can answer it based on your culture or based on your upbringing. You can answer this question based on your certain affections or desires within you. You can base it on your knowledge or your education degrees. You can base it on your careers or your accolades. You can base it on your sexual preferences or your political party. That's what everybody says. But is that how we do it in the body of Christ? And so because of this urge, because of this inner need within us to answer the question, who I am, who am I, we can go to all sorts of lengths to try to answer it, can't we? We we, we can make an effort to, what is it called, self-discover, right, or to find ourselves, right? Like in the show, how many of you are fans of the show The Office? You've seen it? When uh, I see two going crazy, you, apparently you're overly, <laughs> overly committed to that show. But in, the, in that TV show, one of the weirdest characters named Andy goes on this trek on a sailboat for three months, sailing to the Caribbean in an effort to find himself. He abandons his girlfriend, he abandons his job, he's like finding himself out on the sea. How many of you have ever tried that before? Just go, go take a quick sail down to the Caribbean to try to find yourself? Does it work? Did you find it? <laughs> you find it to work. I'm betting it didn't. I'm betting that didn't work. I don't think that kind of strategy can, can, can really pay out an identity. 
So what else do we do? Well, we take those personality tests, right? We take those personality tests. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you are lions? We're, we're, oh, okay, what are the beavers? We're the beavers. We don't have any, you guys don't have personalities? Golden retriever, somebody. Yeah, there you go. I know Debbie is. She's my secretary. Of course she is. Or you're type A, type B, right? What about you're an initiator, a loyalist? Maybe you're a high number one, right? Guys, there's just all sorts of stuff out there trying to pinpoint our identities. You know, one of my favorite ways is to take one of those personality tests on Facebook that tell you which Disney princess is going to be your best friend based on your personality profile. Apparently, mine would be Snow White because I'm not that exciting of a person. I require a lot of sleep and everyone around me is pretty small. But I haven't taken the test. I'm just assuming. But guys, really, we, we work so hard to try to figure out who we are. We have this urge and we try to find these answers in so many different ways. But what we're going to find out today is that our identities can't be found anywhere else in the world. They're not even found in our giftings. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it to you uh, today. I'm going to give you the biggest point of the whole morning. And that's simply this. We can truly know who we are not and who we are. Only in the light of who Jesus is. Can you read this with me? One, two, three. I can truly know who I am not and who I am in the light of who Jesus is. We're taking this simply from how Johnny B responds to these people who come and ask him about his identity. So that's all that we're doing today. Now, In the prologue, the verses uh, 1 through 18, what did we really spend a lot of time doing? We were looking at the nature and the abilities of who? Jesus, right? He's an incredible being. But then the story immediately shifts to John the Baptist, is what he's most often called. And I want to say a few words about him before we get started, because I think it's helpful for us to be on the same understanding, the same plane. So John the Baptist does not is not the founder of the Baptist denomination, just because it's in his name, nor do Baptists get to claim that they have exclusive rights to Christianity or right doctrine. That's not because of this. John the baptizer, he's the cousin of Jesus who was miraculously conceived because his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were old and never had kids. And and it's this miraculous story where where an angel shows up, announces the birth of John, and and tells him that he's going to be a forerunner for the Messiah, which is incredible. So he's born, he grows up, and he turns out being a pretty weird dude. Pretty, pretty weird. He's going out and living in the wilderness. He's wearing camel's hair, which I don't know about you, it's pretty itchy. We don't find an exported out of Iraq camel hair. We find other things, right? He's eating locusts and wild honey as a routine diet. I'm not sure that's gluten-free, but oh well. He preached the coming kingdom and the king. This is what his ministry was about. And, and, and a part of his ministry, he was baptizing people. John the baptizer, right? That's in his name. And he was baptizing those who were willing to confess their sinfulness and their need for salvation, no matter if they were ethnically Jew or not. If they were Jew or Gentile. Now, there's some, story, there's some history behind this. Baptism back in that day was, I think, understood to be for Gentile converts coming into Judaism, 
right? Because Jews, no, they didn't need saving. They had the law to make them clean and they kept it really well. So they didn't need to be washed. But man, those dirty pagan Gentiles, man, they're gonna come and they gotta get washed. They gotta get cleansed. They messed up, right? They, be- they believe this. And yet John the baptizer is out in the wilderness preaching the gospel of the kingdom that all are sinners and all need cleansing from salvation. No matter your ancestry, no matter your ethnic relations, no matter your righteous acts of law keeping. Didn't matter. In other words, Johnny B was bucking up against the system. He was he was not going with the grain. Johnny B was making some noise and it was going from the wilderness into the city. He's the trending topic in Twitter. In Jerusalem. So much so that the Jewish religious leaders try to figure out who this guy really is, who this John the Baptizer is. And so they send out this delegation, they send out this group composed of priests and Levites out to Bethany, which we find out in verse 28 is where Johnny B is doing his ministry, where he's baptizing people. And these priests and these Levites, they get to Johnny B and they, they ask him a really important question. At the end of verse 19, look at that. And it's the question that all of our souls want the answer to. It's what's the question? What do they ask? Who are you? Who are you? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Hey, it worked. That wasn't in my notes. My wife didn't approve that. By the way, my wife reviews every sermon, so bless her soul. Guys, they're asking, who are you? Which is what kind of question? It's an identity question. It's an inquiry into identity. What's your identity? And this whole conversation is revolving around that concept. His identity. Who is this guy? And we're going to see John explain who he is to the world with three parts. The first who he is not the second who he is and the third is who Jesus is do you see that we can see you can actually outline his response in that way who I'm not who I am and who Jesus is that's how he's responding to this identity query so look at what he says who he's not verse 20 he didn't deny it but he confessed I am not the what the Messiah or some of your translations may say the Christ. Christos is the Greek word for it, but it's, it's referring to the anointed one, the Messiah from the Old Testament, this prophesied one who is going to be sent by God to turn the world upside down, both religiously and politically, and he was going to set Israel free. At this time, they understood that to mean that Israel was going to be set free from Roman oppression, but really it was to be set free from sin and death. Now, regardless, John... Johnny B clears up the rumors right away. He's emphatically saying, "Uh uh-uh, no way, nope, I am not that guy. I am not the Messiah. But this is where things get really interesting. These Jews are thinking, all right, if he's not the Christ, if he's not the Messiah, what do they ask him next? Well, then who are you? Are you who? Elijah. Are you Elijah? All right, well, okay, so Elijah was the Old Testament prophet, you know, who called down fire from heaven onto the altar. He celebrated uh, and defeated the hundreds of false prophets of Baal who were mocking their God or mocking our God. It's the same Elijah who was eventually called up into heaven on chariots of fire who is said to have never actually died. 
Now it turns out Elijah himself was prophesied to return one day, but we are understanding it to be that it was for Jesus' second coming, not his first. But look at what Malachi 4 says. It says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So maybe they're on to something. Maybe they've got some weight here. Maybe this, this guy, could, could he be the Elijah? But what does John say? I am not. I am not. Nope. No way. I am not Elijah. All right. Check that box out. Nope, scrap that. We not that. What are we next? The deputation, this group, they ask him what may seem to be another strange question. Look at the second part of verse 21. What else they ask him? Are you the prophet? Who's the prophet? Well, here's another cross-reference for you. Deuteronomy 18, 18. It says this, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. This is God talking to Moses. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. All right, couldn't Johnny B fit this bill? <laughs> Maybe. But what does Johnny B say? Nope, I am not him either. Now here's where things get super crazy. Are you with me? John just said, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the Elijah, and I'm not the prophet. Who does Jesus say John is? Who do we know Jesus says John is? Well, first, Jesus says that John the baptizer is a prophet, and then some. Check out Matthew 11. What then did you go out to see? He's talking to people who went and saw uh, John the Baptist. Did you go out to see a prophet? Yeah. Yeah, you did. I tell you, you did, and more. He's more than a prophet. Okay, all right, so Jesus is saying John is a prophet. All right. Now, John, we would say that John isn't the prophet per se, but he had a ministry and a spirit of a prophet. But then Jesus even says that John the baptizer is the promised Elijah. Look at Matthew eleven fourteen. He goes on later in the same conversation. He said, for all the laws, sorry, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, this guy, John, is Elijah who is to come. Oh, wow, okay, what do we do with that? Not only that, but we keep going on in Luke 11, right? In Luke, oh, sorry, Luke 1, 17, the angel said Johnny B was going to go out in the ministry and in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. All right. So, of course, we would also uh, come to understand that Johnny B himself wasn't the literal Elijah of the Old Testament reincarnated or come down from heaven. All right. But we do agree that Johnny B had a ministry like Elijah to turn back people's hearts to the Lord. So is Johnny B. having an identity crisis? Is that what's happening? Did you just not really know who he was? Uh, doubtful. What's going on here? I can only really think of two reasonable explanations for why this is happening. And the first one is this. John didn't detect as much spiritual significance in his own self and ministry as Jesus did. John wasn't aware of just how significant his ministry would be for Jesus and just how significant he was in the role that God had given him. 
No, instead, John didn't elevate his self or his ministry. He humbled. He remained humble. In other words, guys, isn't it so much better for us to let Jesus speak the words about us instead of ourselves? Isn't it better for Jesus to speak the higher word over who we are than for us to speak it? Isn't it so much even more accurate and more truthful for us to let Jesus speak of who we are for ourselves than to make ourselves out to be more than we think we are? As Christians all too often make the mistake of of not realizing who they are in Jesus' eyes. As Jesus saw John to be more than John saw himself to be. And yet John still here denies that he's Elijah. He denies that he's the prophet. Because remember, what's the reason for John's existence? Why is he sent by God? To testify to the word. In other words, John's existence isn't about John. It's about Jesus. And we're going to see that characterize all of John the baptizer's ministry. He didn't elevate himself. He didn't make himself central to the narrative in the Jews' minds. He tried to play as little part as possible. So that's one reasonable explanation, I think. And I think there's another why John wasn't connecting himself and why Jesus was. I think the other answer could be this, that John was convinced his identity didn't come from his ministry. Are you tracking with me there? John was convinced that his identity, who he really is, isn't sourced from what he does. It isn't sourced from his ministry. Because we have people today who root their identities in their spiritual giftings and their spiritual accolades and their accomplishments for the Lord, right? Oh, I'm a bishop blank and I'm, a, I'm an apostle blank and I'm a prophet blank, right? The fill in the name, I'm Prophet Scott, right? Like, wait, wait, where do we ever see somebody's giftings become their identity in Scripture? Apart from Jesus. I don't ever see it. That's why I have a hesitation when people call me Pastor Scott. That's my role, right? And if that's your obligation to call me that, it's my role. But that gives me no spiritual headway or no advanced grace. We've all got access to the same grace. So John the baptizer, who himself says that Jesus says that there's no one like him, doesn't even connect his identity to his own ministry. The ministry of Elijah. The ministry of a prophet. And so that's who Johnny B starts with. That's how Johnny B starts the conversation about his identity. With who I'm not. Here's who I'm not. John's showing us that to be a a humble follower of Jesus. A content follower of Jesus. And a witness for Jesus. That we must first know who we're not. It's where we've got to start. And here's why. Here's why we really need to first know who we're not. Our flesh is really good at convincing us that we're more powerful and more significant than we truly are, isn't it? It can do that, right? I'm not wrong, right? Like, I mean, you've probably experienced it if you're aware of it. 
I mean, so like, for example, when's the last time you made plans and made an effort to cut out some bad TV habits and maybe to lose some weight? And you said, man, I'm going to white knuckle this and I can do this, right? Only two or three days later to be binge watching Downton Abbey and eating a sleeve of Oreos. Or when's the last time you tried to take a problem into your own hands and control the narrative and, and only have that problem spiral out of control and make things worse than it was in the beginning? All because we didn't know who we were. And of course, you and I, we can confess with our words that we're not all that powerful or not all that important. We know it up here, but goodness, our hearts, our hearts need to continually stay in line with that truth. Because our hearts love to wander off. There's a flesh nature within us that loves to capture our hearts and take it wandering off into elevating ourselves into more than we are. And just so we're all on the same page, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up a list of everything you're not. Welcome to Sunday morning, church. So I, I would just recommend, there's, there's going to be several lists this morning, so it might be more helpful for you to just take out a phone and take a picture of it up on the screen. Because here it is, if I can get it going. Are we on ProPresenter? Okay, it's not working. My thing's working. Yep, it's not me, it's you. That's a bad breakup. So this is, this is everything that scripture says that we're not. Thank you, Dale. You're a lifesaver, my friend. First, we're not God. Are you surprised by that? We're not the creator. We're not perfect. We're not worthy. We're not intrinsically good. We're not all-powerful. We're not all-knowing. We're not the judge. We aren't all we need, and we don't have everything together. And praise God, we don't have to. Praise God that the gospel, the good news is that we don't have to be these things, though the world says we should be these things. So this is where John starts out. This is where he starts the conversation, who I'm not. And in finding ourselves and in understanding our identities, we really need to know who we're not. And that's where we start with, because who we're not acts as borders. It acts as a definite border for our lives. So that's the first part of John's response, who we're not. But then we get to a second part. They keep going. They keep playing 20 questions because they can't just go back to their bosses and be like, well, we've ruled out three things that he's not. They've got to get something back. So what do they do? They keep going on and they finally just let John speak for himself. Look at verse 22. Read it. It says, who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? So then this is where we move to the second part of John's response where he says, not just who he's not, but he says, here's who I am. Verse 23, take a look. He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as the prophet Isaiah said. So he quotes a passage from the Old Testament. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. And Isaiah is calling for a metaphorical lowering of the high places and a raising of the low places in preparation for the arrival of the Lord. But did you notice John's response when they finally say, hey, who do you say that you are then? He, he doesn't elevate himself to anything more than a wind in the wilderness, a voice crying out in the wilderness. He doesn't even give him his name. 
He's like, yeah, I'm Johnny B. You better remember that. He doesn't even seem to care if he's remembered or if he's renowned. It's really all about Jesus. And at the core of what Johnny B's understanding is of who he is, what does he quote? God's word. He responds to the question of who I am with, here's what God says about me. Huh, how interesting. What do you say about yourself? Well, here's here's what this says about me. Here's who I am. Huh. So, so Johnny B says that there's going to come a day where it's okay for us to talk about who we are, right? But, but to do so in the context of who God says that we are. To root our identities in what God says in his word. And so what I've done now is I've, I've come up with a list of what God's word says that we are, right? And it's a long one. I didn't include all of them. So I would just say do the whole thing, same thing again if you want to kind of copy these down. But these are all true of us who are in Christ Jesus, right? Not everybody out in the world, but those of us who are in Christ Jesus. This is what it says, that we are created by God, that we are seen even before we existed, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are known by God, we are adopted before time, we are a child of God, we are a new creation, we are declared righteous, we are not forsaken, we're no longer an orphan, we are complete in Christ, we are alive with Christ, we are free from sin and death, we are born of God, we are filled with the Spirit, we're a beneficiary of God's full grace, we're an ambassador for Christ, we're purchased by Jesus, redeemed by Jesus' death, rescued from darkness, we're united with Christ, we're crucified with Christ, we're made in God's image, we're secure in God, we're in process, we're an heir of God and his inheritance, we're destined for heaven, we're a steward, we're a servant, we're a soldier, we're a witness, we are loved, we are saved, we are forgiven, we are healed, we are accepted and we are his I gotta wipe the spit off of my (laughs) splash zone sorry guys in Christ you are all of these things and so much more it's true of all of us who are in Jesus not to mention Not to mention everything that's uniquely true about each and every one of you. Because you are uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made. This is just universally true of the church, of God's people, in the kingdom. And so anytime anyone asks you, or anytime the devil tries to come in and deceive you into the lies about who you are or who you aren't. Goodness, let God's word speak the higher word about who you are. That's what Johnny B. does here. All right, here's who I'm not, but here's who I am. I'm just calling people to make way for the Lord. I'm just a voice. So Johnny B. says who he isn't, and then he says who he is. But you know, that just doesn't sit well with the world, does it? It doesn't sit well with these people. The, the delegation sent to ask about who he is. Look at verse 24. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? Why are you doing these things? So in other words, if he's not one of these significant people that the world says he has to be or if the Jews say he has to be, then why is he doing something so significant as calling all people to be 
repentful and confess their sins and their need for salvation. Why is he doing that? Well, let me just point this out. And you need to hear me on this, especially today. There will be times when the world won't understand who we are and therefore they won't get what we do. And it's okay. We will seem strange. We will be odd. I don't get the whole effort to try to be popular with world people. To be cool, to be accepted. This says they're not going to understand our identity. They're not going to understand why we do what we do because of who we are. So why do we fight so hard for them to Because we're not pointing them to us, we're pointing them to who? Jesus. Because all that really matters at the end of the day about who we aren't, about who we are, is really all just because of Jesus in the light of who he is. That's where John goes next in his response. Look at verse 26. Finally, we're in the third part where it's in the light of Jesus and who he is. Verse 26, I baptize with water. Okay? John answered them, someone stands among you, but you don't know him, which is an echo back to verse 10 in chapter 1. The world didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. He is the one coming after me, all right, which is an echo back to verse 15, because remember, Johnny B said that, uh, that, that Jesus, even though he came after him, ranks before him, and we're going to find out exactly how much Jesus ranks ahead of John. What does he say? Johnny B says, I'm not even worthy to do what? Untie the strap of his sandals. Guys, if, if, you know those moments where something's like, that cuts just real deep? This is one of them. This cut real deep with the Jews, especially the religious leaders. Guys, these religious leaders, uh, they would often have students who would follow them around and these students were expected to do for their teacher often what a slave would do. And not only that, but in the context of sandals, guys, streets back then were just covered in nastiness, in dust, sometimes trash, sometimes excrement. And guys, with, with like one of the most advanced pieces of technology is a closed toe shoe. They didn't have that back then. They had sandals, most likely. Ways for all of this to get in on their feet and make them unclean. And so these students were often expected to untie their teacher's sandals and wash their feet. But it doesn't stop there. Because of how incredibly demeaning this thing was to do that, because of how lowly it was, the Jewish leaders finally made a rule that their students didn't have to take off their teacher's sandals and shoes and wash their feet, but that was actually going to be reserved for actual slaves. And yet here, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, Johnny B is claiming that not even he is worthy to untie Jesus' sandals and wash his feet. This is such a beautiful picture of knowing who we aren't, knowing who we are, 
all because we know who Jesus is. John Calvin put it this way, man is never fully aware of its lowly state until we have compared ourselves with God's majesty. Like this is how important Jesus is. This is how worthy Jesus is to take the highest place of our exaltation and our esteem and our affections that we would be absolutely convinced that we aren't even close to being worthy to see him or to be with him. Guys, you know Jesus was asked the same questions John was. Who do you make yourself to be? Who do you say that you are? We see John's response here. You know how Jesus responded? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. As Jesus is all of these things and so much more, which makes him supremely and infinitely worthy. And yet Jesus invites you and I in and he takes off the dirty sandals of our feet and he washes away our filth and shame. This is the amazing truth of the gospel. Jesus is supremely, infinitely worthy and we're not And the sooner our hearts can make the switch from believing that we're the ones who are worthy for God to do things for us and instead make the switch and say, well, God is supremely worthy for us to do things for him. When we can make that switch and we can love that truth and see the beauty of it, then the sooner we'll know who we're not and the sooner we'll know who we are and then therefore the better witnesses we will be of this Christ who takes away the sins of the world. So I told you this at the start. Can you see how true it is? I can truly know who I am not and who I am in the beautiful, warming light of who Jesus is. Because imagine all that you and I can do in the world, all that we can testify to, all that we can witness to in the world about our Jesus when we're not tripping up over our identities, when we're not concerned or confused about it, when we're not jammed up because we don't know who we are. But when we finally come to know who we're not and know who we are, In the light of who Jesus is, we'll be people who witness to the word in this world. Because then we'll know that we don't exist for us. We exist for Jesus. And there and then we'll multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So this time I want to ask that you would just bow your heads. We've got some reflection work to do. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you have come in here today with all sorts of confusion, caught up in who you are, caught up in the question of who am I? What's my identity? 
What's my place in this world? Maybe you're not even sure how to think about yourself. Or when you do, it's always depressing because you're so discouraged. And maybe you've tried to find the answers in all sorts of self-discovery expeditions. Maybe it was into bad or wrong relationships. Maybe it was into a, a wrong social network. Maybe it was into indulging in worldliness to try to discover yourself. Maybe you've put your identity in who you have around you instead of who you have in you. Maybe you've put your identity in your career, in your giftings, in your wealth, in your possessions, in your accolades. As no matter what, those people around you or those things that you're rooting your identity in, they were never designed to carry the weight of who you are. They will crumble. Who you aren't and who you are. The only answer to that question is only found standing in the light of who Jesus is. It's found in getting to know him and to love him and to walk with him and to obey him and exalt him and sacrifice for him and give it all to him and let him speak the higher word about you. Because only he is supremely worthy. And guess what? He can carry the weight of your identity. He won't crumble. He won't break. And if your identity is rooted in him, then you'll never experience an identity crisis again. So maybe you have some confessing that you need to do before the Lord. Maybe you need to admit some things to yourself. Either way, the light of Jesus was never meant to be a harsh thing for those who love him. And if we embrace the reality of who he says we're not and who he says we are, then goodness will truly find ourselves. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, your kindness really knows no limits. And and your worth has no bounds. Um, our words of praise, our songs of, of, of exaltation just only begin to skim the surface of your infinite beauty and worth. And God, we are a people who are wanting to submit ourselves to your word. Your word about who we're not and about who we are. And so I just pray for us here this morning that, that your word would convict our hearts so deeply. God, if, 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 if there be pride, if there be high places in our lives about who we are, then goodness, would you tear them down? But God, also, if there be valleys, if there be low places of depression and, 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 and just terrible self-worth, brokenness, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would raise it up, that you would allow us to truly root ourselves in who you say we are. And God, I pray for those who haven't cared, for those who haven't concerned themselves with what you say about who they are. 
I pray that you would convict their heart, challenge their thinking, and may they never really find rest until it's found in the light of Jesus. And there, then, and only then would they find themselves. God, in a world that's so confused about how we define ourselves, we don't even have the right or the power to define ourselves. God, you do alone. You're the only self-existent one. And so I pray that we would be a people who know who we're not, know who we are, all in the light of Jesus, and we can go into this world with a confidence about our identities when everyone else is questioning theirs. And may we welcome them in and testify to Jesus because of who you are. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. If you guys would stand, I'd love to pray over you a benedictory verse from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.